Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. I am loving to learn the law of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit does so many things for us. For instance, the law of the Spirit institutes peace over you. Like the Bible says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and your minds. It institutes grace. That's God's favor. The Bible says you're not under the law of Moses or under the law of sin and death. You are under grace. You are under God's favor. It also also institutes faith. Like the Bible says, live by faith in God alone. What does all of this add up to? Strong mental health, emotional well-being, stability in your reactions and behavior. God wants you to have a sound mind, and that's why he's given you the law of the Spirit. So listen in and see how the law of the Spirit can help you have a consistent, wonderful state of mind. Sin and death. And this law came about um, almost from day one, not exactly from day one, but somewhat. When Adam was created, God told Adam, look, you can eat from all the fruits uh, of all the trees uh, in the garden, but this one tr- this one tree you're not to eat from, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God instituted the law of sin and death when he told Adam, he said, if you eat from the fruit of this tree, you will certainly die. And that from, from there came the law of sin and death. And so the, as we mentioned last week, this is a law of cause and effect. Okay, God said, if you do this, this will happen. It's a, it, it's a law of cause and effect. It's a law that really cannot be broken. Uh, well, you can break it, but you can't, you can't get around it. There's no loopholes in this law. Um, so the law of sin and death. Now, the thing about the law of sin and death is this law kills us. This law kills us. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's somewhat the purpose of the law, that if you sin, you die. Um, Who is this law for? It's for the godless. It's for the people who are without God. And there's several scripture references that if you pull up the notes, you'll be able to see what kind of supports uh, where you can find a description or a better description of this law of sin and death. There's a second law, and it's the law of Moses. And so there was several hundreds of years between Adam and and Moses and um, God gave Moses the law and so we refer to it as the law of Moses um, most commonly known as the Ten Commandments now it's interesting in the Ten Commandments nine of the Ten Commandments have the word don't in it don't do this don't do that and it, it basically was a divine law that described righteous limitations the law of moses was very limited don't 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 there's not a whole lot of do's in the law of moses but this law is important and it's a it's good the bible tells us that the law of moses was good because this law informs us while the law of sin and death kills us the law of moses informs us and it tells us what's good and what's bad but it's very limiting it brings about many limitations and we talked about this a little bit last week is that laws generally limit us 
speed limit laws keep us from going fast. Uh, the law of gravity keeps us from being able to fly. Um, so laws in general are limiting, and the law of, of Moses was no exception. Now, the law of Moses, who was this for? It was for believers in God, but before the time of Jesus. The law was provided for those who believed in God, but it was for those that lived before Jesus was revealed to us. Then we get to the third law, and again, this third law makes a lot more sense in light of the first two laws. It's the law of the Spirit. And listen to this. This is what excites me. The law of the Spirit, the intent of it, is to transform us. It's to change us. That's the law of the Spirit. It's not a limiting law. It's Instead, it's a law that frees us. So the law of sin and death kills us. The law of Moses informs us, and the law of the Spirit frees us. Praise God. Man, that's so exciting. And that's, I, I've been thinking just in my own devotional life, God wants me to learn, me personally. He wants me to learn the law of the Spirit. And so the law of the Spirit, who's that for? That's for believers in God now. Those who live now, those who believe in God, those who have opened their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and have asked Jesus into their lives, have opened wide their heart to say, Jesus, come inside. They have the ability to live by the Spirit, the law of the Spirit. And so as Christians, let me ask you, which of those three laws would you like to be governed by? I'll tell you what, I would most like to be governed by the law that's going to transform me and free me. So let me tell you something interesting. If you go around the world, there's different laws. There's different uh, forms of government. And in France, there's an interesting, there's an interesting law. It's a labor law um, that at least previously, and I think it's still in play today, limits overtime. It limits the amount of time that employees can, can work each week. It's been rumored that the French police actually go out and patrol corporate parking lots to make sure each evening that everybody's gone home when they're supposed to. Now, as someone who works, I can tell you what, if I were to pick the law that I wanted to work under, I think I might pick France. <laughs> I can choose to, to, to live under the law of the country that I'm in, or I could go to France and live under a different law. It might be somewhat freeing and give me a balance of, of, of life and work, a work-life balance. The, the law of the Spirit's the same, okay? It declares, for instance, that you are no longer under condemnation. Do you want to live under that law? Do you want to believe that law? Or do you want to go on living under the law of Moses or the law of sin and death? I, for one, want to be free from condem condemnation, shame, disgrace. I want to be free from all of that. And so you know what? The more I think about it, I want to learn the law of the Spirit, and I want to live under that law from here on out because it's a good law. It's a freeing law. There's other descriptions of the law of the Spirit in the Bible. Let me give you some examples. In Colossians 3.15, listen to this scripture. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. So listen to that, that declaration, that command. 
let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Well, what is that? What is that scripture referring to? It's referring to the law of the spirit. The law of the spirit has a clause in it that you are to live under peace and no longer under disruptive thought patterns that you have that keep you up at night. Let me give you another description of the law of the spirit in the Bible. In Romans 6, 14, it says, For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law. That's the Mosaic law or the law of Moses. You are under grace. Wow. Romans 6, 14. What does it mean to be under grace? It means to be under the law of the Spirit because that's what the law of the Spirit declares is grace to you, favor. Romans 6.14. Now look at this one. Another description of the law of the Spirit is found in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith. What is living by faith? It's living under the law of the Spirit. It says, I live by faith. Not, it doesn't just stop there. It says, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to live by faith in God, in the Son of God, is to live under the law of the Spirit. See, these things become a lot clearer to me. To live under peace, under grace, by faith, that's to live by under the law of the Spirit. And I was thinking this week, Man, I, I see the law of the Spirit coming down on El Paso. You know, people succumbing to this new law of the Spirit where they no longer live under condemnation. They live by faith, under grace, by peace. But here's another one, 1 John 4.16. So we know and rely on the love of God, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever, listen to this, Whoever lives in love lives in God. What is it to live under the law of the Spirit? It's to live in God's love. That's to live under the law of the Spirit. And God is with him. Praise God. So I wanted to go back and re-emphasize, re-emphasize something that I said last week and make sure that we all subscribe to it, that we buy into this, this truth and then we'll go on in Romans 8 as we, we did, uh, we, as we finished last week, we'll pick up where we left off. But here's what I'd like to reemphasize. I made this statement last week. Through Jesus, you are free from condemnation, from anything you've done in the past, anything that you're presently doing, or anything that you're going to do. Now, the Christian that's been around a while doesn't have too much trouble accepting that God frees them from condemnation for their past. We struggle with it a little bit, but you know, I think I think you finally come to grips. God has forgiven me. He doesn't condemn me anymore. I think the Christian who's been around might even be able to get their mind around the fact that God will forgive them for future mistakes as well. But the struggle that we have is does God really not condemn me what I'm literally in the act of doing right now as a Christian? I'm not talking about the whole world. I'm talking about those who have asked Jesus into their heart and they are in the act of doing something that's against what God wants them to do.
Well, I wanted to give you an example that puts this into perspective because uh, I think we need to, we really need to believe this and understand this. Let me give you this example. I have never been, excuse me, in the past, I haven't always been a good manager of my own personal finances, of my own money. And because of, you know, foolish spending habits that I've had in the past, I would heap shame and condemnation on myself for the mistakes that I made. And uh, I would feel this, this shame and condemnation would bury me and would push me to keep on making the same mistakes. Think about it. Once, once you fall and you go ahead and eat some chocolate, you think, well, it's all right. You know, I've already messed up. Let me just mess up all the way and eat a bunch more stuff. Believe me, I've done that several times. Well, this example of managing managing my personal finances was no different. You know, I've already made a mistake in spending. Let me go ahead and fake, make five more mistakes. And that condemnation pushed me just to keep on making the same mistake over and over again. But when I realized that Jesus was not condemning me for my bad spending habits and past decisions, even though I was still doing it, I was set free instantly from my bad spending habits. The fact that I realized that in the act I was making a mistake and Jesus wasn't condemning me, that instantly freed me from making the bad decisions anymore. Do I still mess up? Of course I do. But you know what? I'm not condemned for it even in the act of making those mistakes. To be free from sin you have to be free from the condemnation of sin. That is, that is the key to open the, opening the door. And so, yes, yes, God does not condemn a Christian when they're in the act of making that mistake. And for anybody who's spent a lot of time reading the Bible, Romans 7, the cha- chapter 7, and Romans 8.1 clearly depict this truth. Here's a Christian who doesn't do what they want to do and is messing up constantly. And what does the Bible give to them as their solution? It's Romans 8.1. There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So people who've been around as Christians for a long time, they really have a tough time. and, and, And they're even fearful of proclaiming this powerful truth. And they say, well, you know, if people take advantage, people are just going to take advantage of God's grace then. If you aren't careful, uh, you know, they'll say, well, God's going to forgive me. He'll, he'll uh, you know, it, it'll be taken care of by his grace, and they'll just go on willfully sinning. And so Christians often say, well, we better be careful with preaching grace this way. Well, you know what? That's a risk that God is willing to take on us. <laughs> That's a risk that God is willing to take on us. Of course, we're going to explain this truth as the Apostle Paul did in Romans 6, 1 through 2, um, where he says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who died to sin. How can we live any longer in it? Well, let me tell you what. The way you get free from sin is through freedom from condemnation and the way you stay free from sin is freedom from condemnation it is the silver bullet to to this and it is it is a clause in the law of the spirit that we need to live live in live under and believe through and through 
was having a conversation with a gay friend of mine a while back, and he told me, I told him, you know what, God can heal people of AIDS, and um, and furthermore, He has healed people from AIDS. And my friend exclaimed, he said, "That's crazy! If they're healed from AIDS, they would just go right back to doing what they did before." <laughs> you know what? He has he he had the same reaction that many Christians have. But you know what? God is willing to take the risk on us to heal us to forgive us and to not condemn us. And, you know, it's up to us through to live by the Spirit in order to not take advantage of His kindness and abuse His goodness in our lives. So, yes, the law of the Spirit shows us that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I want to point that out. This, 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 uh, <laughs> this, this freedom from condemnation is only for those who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into their hearts, into their souls. We're imperfect. We mess up. Uh, the, but, but then again, Jesus said, I came in the world, into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. But the person who does not believe in me stands condemned already. And that's, a, that's really referring to a self-condemnation because they've made that decision. But let's move on. In Romans 8, we left off in verse 4. Now we're going to pick up in verse 5 and continue to see some aspects of, of uh the law of the Spirit, learning about the law of the Spirit. So let me read to you in Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit, listen to this, is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God, nor can it do so. Now let me, let me just pause here real quick. Let's go back into verse 5 where it says, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit. In accordance. And I look that, that word up, accordance, in the Greek. And a modern-day definition of accordance would be download. Just like you would download a piece of a bit of software onto your computer, onto your phone, you download. And you've got to realize this today. Where are you downloading from? Are you downloading from the world? Are you downloading from the Spirit? Because it says here, if you will download or live in accordance with the Spirit... Your, your, your mind is going to be governed by life and by peace. It's going to be governed by the Spirit and is going to have life and peace. And so here's, here's the third principle. We talked last week of two principles. Now we're going to talk about a third one, and it's this. The Spirit actively governs our mental state. The Spirit, if you live under the law of the Spirit, the Spirit will actively govern your mental state. Now, our mental state can be controlled by one of three things, okay? Any human being's mind is controlled by one of three things. Uh, it's the, the mind can be controlled by, by Satan and by evil. And any mind that's controlled by Satan and by evil is going to be self-destructive and is going to die very soon and very quickly. The second mental state uh, that mind can be this uh, mind can be controlled 
by our own self-centeredness, okay? So the second mental state is controlled by your own self-centeredness, and this has a precursor to death as well. Anybody who's self-centered is going to live with anxiety, disturbed thinking, depression, obsessive-compulsive thought patterns. This is all brought on when you think too much about yourself. And I've realized this just by analyzing my own thoughts and my own mental state. But the third control uh, of, of your mind can come from the Holy Spirit. And what we've found here in Romans 8, 5, 6, and 7 is the, 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 the mental state that's controlled by the Holy Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. And, and beyond that is joy and purpose, and many other things. But the two that are mentioned in this set of scriptures is life and peace. So don't you want to come under the law of the Spirit and to begin to have the Holy Spirit govern your mental state? We realize that nowadays, especially in the U.S., it seems that mental illness is on the rise. And it's a big subject, a big topic of research, of analysis, of medical uh, intervention, trying different uh, prescription drugs to try to bring into balance of, you know, people's thought patterns. But let, let's just stop here and let's think about what mental well-being is. What does mental health look like? Because before you can get to going to get to a place that you want to go to, you have to know what that place is, where that place is, what that place looks like. So let's let's look at what mental well-being looks like. Look at this. It's facing your reality without anxiety. What is mental health? It's facing your reality without being anxious. So you could be your checkbook could reflect a zero balance or that it's going to be zero pretty quick and good solid mental health can look at that reality and still have peace in the midst of it. Or you could be sick and awaiting a doctor's uh, what what the doctor's going to say about you and maybe you've already gotten the bad report. It's facing the reality of bad health without anxiety without being anxious. If that's you, you are well on your way to mental health, strong, positive, solid mental health, a mind controlled by the Holy Spirit that's life and peace. Here's, here's another aspect of mental well-being. Enjoying the moment of life you are in right now. That's a sign of mental well-being when you can enjoy every moment of every day, not looking at the past, not looking at the future, just enjoying the here and the now. Here's another aspect, knowing, knowing, I mean positively knowing that tomorrow is going to be a better day than today. That is good, solid mental well-being. All right, here's another one, experiencing deep inner peace profound inner peace that's mental well-being here's another one having spiritual fullness satisfaction and wholeness praise god that's what it looks like to have good mental health or having the power to make choices and be able to stick with them that's what the addict cannot do is they can make a decision but then they never seem to stick with it. Well, someone who has strong mental health can make a choice and stick with it. That's the mind governed by the law of the Spirit. 
Here's another one. Confident that you are loved, protected, and provided for. We watched a movie. What was the name of that movie? Ruby? Ruby Bridges. On Disney Plus. Yeah, we watched this this movie the other day, and she was a little five-year-old Afro-American girl back in the 50s during the segregation in the Deep South. And there she would come into school every day with people shouting at her. And this little girl was so confident that she was loved. Her mom would tell her over and over again, God loves you. And she would come into this this horrible situation every morning going to school, and yet she stayed strong. Absolutely amazing. Confident that you were loved, protected, and provided for. And here's another one. Listen to this. This is the sign of of mental well-being. Literally forgetting your regrets and your shames. Literally. Not just saying you've forgotten them, but literally not being able to remember them. That's a sign of mental well-being. Or being, here's another one, being part of something meaningful. And here, of course, I'm thinking the church of Jesus Christ, the body of believers, the gathering of believers, being a part of something meaningful, having purpose in your life, having a desire to serve others. These are all what it looks like to have strong mental health, being governed by the Holy Spirit, the law of the Spirit, praise God. And so, you know, it's interesting. I just find it interesting. The Bible discusses at length what mental health looks like, and it's referred to in the Greek as a sound mind, a sound mind. And let me let me show you several scriptures that talk about having a sound mind. Now, it's when translated, it comes out differently in different scriptures, but I'll, I'll point you to each one of them. Mark, in Mark 5.15, there was this man who unfortunately had been subject to the control of Satan and evil. Remember how I told you there's three things that can control your mind? Well, he had gone to this, this deepest state of his mind and his thoughts being controlled by Satan and evil, and, and the Bible says he was demon-possessed. But when Jesus got a hold of this man we find this man in mark 5 15 sitting at jesus's feet dressed and in his right mind oh let me tell you guys i want us all to be restfully seated at jesus's feet dressed in his righteousness and in our right minds or having a sound mind as i just described just just minutes ago first peter 4 7 is another instance where the greek word sound mind is used it says the end of all things is near therefore be alert and of sober mind or in other words having a sound mind so that you can pray Well, I've noticed this when I don't have an appropriate level of peace or joy or life or whatever purpose. I have a hard time praying, but someone of sound mind can pray and can pray easily and naturally and 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 throughout the day can find themselves talking to God and listening to God, which is what prayer is. But let me give you another set of scriptures. Oh, my goodness. This helped me so much this week. Romans 12 verses 1 through 3, Romans 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, your bodies include your mind. So you offer your mind to the Lord every morning, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform to this world anymore. What's this world? What's well, it? It's the law of sin and death. Don't conform to that law anymore, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we need a mental health fix every day. Every day. If we can get a that connection to God, that download from the Holy Spirit every day, we're going to have a renewed mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think so. Um, but to think so as um, as to have sound judgment. And this word sound judgment is that Greek word sound mind. So here's the thing. This is crazy. And I'm jumping ahead of myself a little bit. When you think of yourself more highly than other people, you're on your way to mental health issues. But when you think of yourself with a sound mind, with sober judgment, you will have a balanced way of thinking, a mature way of thinking, and you won't be plagued with anxieties and all the things that come with mental health issues. And so here's what the law of the Spirit opens the opportunity for us to have mental health. Did you get that? The law of the Spirit opens the door for us to have sound mental health. So what do we need to do? We need to stop thinking of ourselves so much and start thinking more about God. That's why the Bible says, set your hearts on things above. Set your thoughts on things above, not on earthly things. As soon as we're focused on ourselves so much, our mental health begins to suffer. So we need to exchange selfishness for worship. Selfishness for worship. And then I get from this set of scriptures in Romans also, offer your mind to Jesus every day. Give him control over your mental state. Get a download from the Holy Spirit by reading your Bible, by, by talking to God, by listening to God. Learn, here's number three, learn the law of the Spirit and live by it. Stop living by the standards of this world, by the cause and effect of sin and death, by the Mosaic law. Live by the law of the Spirit instead of the standards of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Open your mind to God every morning, your heart and your soul to God, and receive from Him that download of the day, if you will. <laughs> I love that thought. And then lastly, uh, item number five that I got from these scriptures is the spirit will teach you the will of God and there's nothing that will bring soundness to your mind than knowing God's will don't pray if it's your will God do thus and so no take the time to learn what God's will is to find out what it is and I'll end with this not my sermon this just this thought we're not too far off from being done, but 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A sound mind. Praise the Lord. So, the law of the Spirit introduces us to what it means to have a sound mind. 
Let's go on in, in Romans 8, verse 8 now. Just a couple of other quick thoughts before we end up here. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. There's a law of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and I want you to key in on this phrase, the Spirit of God living in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, let me just pause there for a second. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's referred to, he is referred to as the Spirit of God. Here, he is referred to as the Spirit of Jesus or the Spirit of Christ. Man, Many of us say, I wish Jesus was here on earth so I could see and hear him and touch him and know that he's here. Well, his spirit is here with us, the spirit of Christ. They do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, give life to your mortal bodies because, his, uh, because of his spirit who lives in you. Now I count three or four, maybe five times in these set of scriptures that says the spirit lives in us. The spirit lives in us. And I'll say this, here's, uh, we've we've talked about three basic concepts: condemnation. Uh, we don't, you know, God acts, we react, and then we talked about mental health. Here's number four: if you open your heart to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit is going to live inside of you, and it's not debatable. I mean, He lives inside of you. Period. Whether you feel Him, whether you believe it. It, he, he's there. The Holy Spirit lives inside of your heart. And here's the, here's the point. You can't help but experience new life if the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And at the end of the day, you're not going to recognize yourself. You're going to be a different person. He gives you new life. He gives you a, a, a new personality, a fresh personality. What does this new life look like? It's all of those things that you wish you were. <laughs> it's all of those characteristics and attributes you wish you had. New life means you are a new person. The person of your dreams is who you're going to be. And Galatians 5, 22 through 23, someone brought this up last Wednesday night, and I loved it. It was fresh and wonderful. But Galatians 5, 22 through 23 gives the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit. It means the evidence that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. These things are going to start popping up out of you. Okay? Look at this, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified Classic Edition. I love this Amplified version. But it says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that means the work which His present presence within you accomplishes. All right? These things begin to ha happen somewhat naturally if the Holy Spirit is inside of you. They're love, joy, and let me pause on joy. You know what joy is? It's gladness. Do you wake up glad every morning or do you wake up depressed every morning? Well, the Holy Spirit living inside of you is going to produce gladness. And another word for joy is enjoyment. You are going to enjoy your everyday life, as Joyce Meyer says. Joy. And then peace. Patience. 
Now, patience, I've been thinking about patience and kind of studying it a little bit. But patience is, as is, is the Amplified Version, one part of the Amplified Version says, patience is what you do while you're waiting. Patience isn't just being willing to just sit there and do nothing while you're waiting for something to happen. Patience is what you do while you are waiting. I love that. Kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness. These are things that are going to happen naturally when the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you're given a new life. You may not be that faithful, but as the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, you're going to become more and more and more faithful to God. Praise the Lord. And those th- that faithfulness will evidence itself in, in your Bible study. You'll start reading the Bible more often and more deeply. You'll find that going to church just infrequently isn't enough for you and your faithfulness will grow because you want to join with a body of believers, it's going to grow inside of you. You're not going to be able to get rid of it. That faithfulness is going to grow because the Spirit is inside of you. Verse 23 of Galatians 5. Gentleness, and that's a Greek word for meekness that my dad spoke of a couple of Sunday nights ago. Wonderful meekness. Oh my goodness. I could, I could say all kinds of things about meekness, but we're, we're not going to. Self-control. Now, let me tell you a misconception of self-control. You don't exercise self-control. God exercises control over yourself. That's what self-control is, is God controlling yourself. You don't exercise it. God exercises it. It says, against such things, there is no Law, In other words, the Mosaic law or the law of Moses cannot condemn you as you're exhibiting these fruits of the Spirit. Praise God. So, the fruit of the Spirit, which is the fruit of new life, naturally happens when the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. I want to start learning the law of the Spirit so these things come naturally to me and for me. A couple more thoughts. We're almost done here. Reading on in Romans 8, verse 12. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. Remember that? That's the law of sin and death. You will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And here's number five. When you cooperate with the Spirit, He frees you from your bad tendencies. When you cooperate with the Spirit, you are freed from your bad tendencies. Look at this. In, in Romans eight thirteen, what we just read, if by the Spirit you put to death, there's two parties involved in this, cooperating one with the other to get something done. The Spirit is going to take the lead and you're going to cooperate with Him and you jointly are going to put to death your bad tendencies. And uh, in 1 John 3, 8, I'll just read it quickly. It says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Where is the devil's work? In your life, in my life. The bad tendencies. Jesus came to destroy it. And by the Spirit, in 1 John 3, 8, we see that that was the purpose of Jesus appearing. In Psalms, just real quickly, in Psalms 73, 7, it says, For their calloused hearts... From their callous hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. Look at that word iniquity also in Isaiah 53, 6. 
We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turning to our own way. And the Lord um, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What is iniquity? That's referred to in Psalm 73 and Isaiah 53. That iniquity is the tendency that drives us to do the same bad thing over and over and over again. And just like the example I gave, I'm guilty already, so why not go ahead and just relapse all the way into the former life that I was living? But you know what? Um, <laughs> the spirit, the law of the spirit leads us out of that, frees us from that. And when we cooperate with the spirit, we're literally freed from our bad tendencies. In Hebrews, it says, whose weakness was made their strength. The weakness that you have today can become your strength tomorrow with the help of the Holy Spirit. Very, very quickly. I know I'm running a little bit long. Romans 8.14, just to hit point number six. Um, Romans 8.14 through 17 says, For those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba is just an affectionate term for Father, like we would say Daddy, or in Spanish, Papaito. There in verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Here's point number six. The law of the Spirit reassures you that you are nothing less than a child of God. The law of the Spirit. You come under the law of the Spirit, you are going to be reassured day and night you are a son or a daughter of God and no one can tell you any different. You're not a slave. You're no longer subject to fears, worries, phobias, panic attacks, paranoia, sleep terrors, or PTSD. Let me tell you what, all of those add up to fear. That's all that is. And you're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You are set free from the slavery to fear. You're no longer distant from God. You are called his friend. You are my dad and, and me, we're friends because I'm his son. And because I'm God's son, I'm his friend as well. And I'll end with this one scripture here, John fifteen fifteen. This came to me this week and blessed me so much. I no longer call you servants, Jesus said to his disciples, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that i learned from my father i have made known to you and i was just thinking about this i was telling god oh i want to be your friend and i was thinking about moses uh moses uh, it was said of moses that he talked that god talked to him as a man speaks to a friend and i've wished many times god i wish you would talk to me as a man speaks to his friend and the Holy Spirit told, mentioned this to me. You know what? I'll start talking to you as a friend if you'll start talking to me as a friend first. And so I've been practicing that. I've been practicing just talking to God all day long as a friend, aware of his presence, aware that he's close by, he's near me. And so here, just in summary, if you will adopt the law of the Spirit to govern your life, 
The spirit will actively govern your mental state. You will find that your mental state will change for the better. The, if you again, if you adopt the spirit, the law of the spirit, the Holy Spirit who lives in you will cause you to experience new life, and you won't even recognize yourself anymore. You'll become a newer, a better person, a renewed person. Also, you will begin to cooperate with the spirit, and he'll free you from your bad tendencies that you haven't been able to shake you yourself. And then, lastly, the spirit reassures you that you're nothing less than a child of God and all your fears are going to begin to vanish. Praise the Lord. Perfect love casts out all fear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Heavenly Father. Uh, Lord, I want to learn the law of the Spirit. I want to learn the law of the Spirit and I want to access all the benefits that the law of the Spirit offers me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, help me to begin to live under your law instead of the law of sin and death or the law of rules that came, uh, a divine law, albeit. It was a good law, but it just informed me. It didn't free me. Lord, I want to live in the law of the Spirit, Heavenly Father. And so I pray that every one of us that hears this, Lord, that we would adopt this new law and be governed by this new law and become aware of the Holy Spirit day and night, living inside of us, with us, helping us, guiding us, directing us, controlling outcomes for us, oh God. The kingdom of heaven, Lord, let your your kingdom come. In other words, let the law of the Spirit come and govern us, Lord. Govern our nation, Lord. Govern our city, our state, Lord God, our businesses, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for governing sovereignly through the law of the Spirit that gives life and peace. And we praise you, Heavenly Father, for it. Amen.